So good evening and welcome. We're happy you're able to join us this evening to talk about one of Interfaith Action's uh, specific policy objectives for 2023. And that's the restoring the ability of all Michigan residents to get a driver's license. So that's a pretty specific objective of ours and compared to many of our objectives. And so why is that so important to us? Well, we hope that you come away this evening with a deeper understanding of, of why we chose this to be an area where we would uh, devote our resources. Um, we um, hope to demonstrate that how it's important, not just for the convenience of the affected individuals, primarily uh, undocumented immigrants, but it's also important because of its economic benefits, the potential economic benefits, health benefits, the competitiveness of our state, public safety and law enforcement. So just a word about Interfaith Action. I think most of you know who we are, but uh, uh, just by way of introduction, Interfaith Action Southwest Michigan is a coalition of various faith communities in Southwest Michigan. They understand that narrow sectarian views cannot achieve the common good we all desire. We strive to promote the dignity of all human beings, engage in peacemaking and countering violence, ad advancing justice, especially for those on the margins of community life and upholding the holiness of creation. I'm Eugene Schoon, I'm the coordinator of policy and justice for Interfaith Action Southwest West Michigan. I live in Bridgman uh, and uh, practice law here and in Chicago. So now I'm gonna just briefly introduce our distinguished panel. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Lupita Sanchez. Lupita's with uh, Southwest Rural Michigan. Uh, uh, we, or she's an organizer for Southwest Rural Michigan we the People. We the People is a community organizing organization helping to make Michigan a place where everyone can thrive and live their best lives. Then we have Liz Balk. Liz is with ACLU of Michigan. She is a West Michigan-based advocacy, advocacy strategist. Uh, Liz uh, used to work for State Senator Winnie Brinks, uh, the new Senate Majority Leader. Uh, she's a licensed attorney and we hope to draw on, on Liz's expertise for uh, what's going on in Lansing perhaps. And then uh, Simon Marshall Shaw. Simon is a policy analyst for the Michigan League for Public Policy. Simon focuses on migration policy, healthcare and other issues. Uh, I also noted, Simon, in reading your bio that you were a wilderness first responder. So if you ever, you're ever lost in, in the woods, <laughs> Simon might be a good guy to have along with you. So I'm gonna let Simon just uh, give kind of an overview of the problem uh, and, and its origins and some of the issues, and then we'll turn it over to the panel for uh, further discussion. We hope to have some uh, time for questions and answers at the end. So think about those as you go along, you can put them in the chat. We'll try to, we'll try to get to them or uh, unmute uh, your, yourself uh, when the time comes. 
I just, one other thing I, I wanted to say, and that's, uh, it's a word of thanks to Victor Liu, who is, uh, I, I believe, on the call. Um, Victor is with Drive Michigan Forward. Uh, Interfaith Action is a partner with Drive Michigan Forward. And Victor has been instrumental in helping us, uh, inspiring us, and most importantly for tonight, recruiting our panel. So, uh, Victor, thank you very much for your participation here. Uh, Simon, uh, I'll turn it over to you and uh, give us the uh, 411 on, uh, on Drive Michigan Forward. Sure, thanks so much um, and great to be here with everybody. Really nice to be here um, with Liz and Lupita both. And, um, and thanks you know, to Victor, as Eugene said, for bringing this all together. So I'm just gonna share a little bit about the policy we're talking about today, some bills that would change that policy and um, give a bit of a background too so that we can go into some additional questions um, and just conversation with you all um, with a little more information. So the bills that we're going to be talking about, I'll just lay them out now, too, so you are aware. The name of those bills is called the Drive Safe Bills, and the SAFE is actually an acronym that stands for Safety, Access, Freedom, and the Economy. And this, in this upcoming session, it'll be the third time that these bills have been introduced into the Michigan legislature, and that's really the specific kind of policy goals that we're all talking about and looking at. Um, over the last many years, there have been some other policies that are were not necessarily this bill package, but over the last few years, this one has really been kind of nailed down and kind of honed in to be really what um, not only kind of community members, but also other legislators are excited to push forward. So I wanna give just some a bit more background on all of this too. So prior to 2008, anyone who was a resident of Michigan and could demonstrate their identity was able to get a driver's license or a state ID in Michigan. And that included um, immigrants with any type of status also. But in uh, late 2007, there was a change or an opinion, I should say, issued by the attorney general at the time, which said that those who couldn't demonstrate their lawful presence in the country were not technically residents of Michigan, and therefore they could not actually obtain a driver's license or a state ID legally anymore. And the legislature at the time in the next year in 2008 codified that, led that opinion into law. So they took the same stance and moved it through the process signed by the governor to restrict driver's license and state ID access to folks who could show their lawful presence in the, the country and also lived in Michigan. Um, so what these bills, these drive safe bills would do is actually restore that right that had been longstanding for everybody in Michigan to obtain a driver's license or a state ID regardless of their immigration status. In terms of other states across the country that have done this, there actually are a lot. So Michigan would not be the first to do this in any way. Um, there's 19 now as of last week, which is kind of exciting. You may have seen this, but Minnesota passed similar legislation, which was great. They actually had been in this kind of campaign to make this change for over 20 years. So this was really exciting news. Um, and there's also DC and Puerto Rico have similar policies too. So 19 states plus those um, territories is really 
exciting in a huge number, um, honestly. And in the last few years, there's been momentum around this too. So Michigan can definitely be next. And I want everyone to walk away with that tonight. <laughs> um, and just to lay a little bit more out, um, We'll be talking more about the impact too of what this has been on not only undocumented communities, but also um, on kind of our, our own state and what that's meant for other drivers. But to give a, a quick sense, you know, when that law changed, people who had valid IDs at that time, those expired at a certain point. And that meant that they were just not able to obtain a new license or state ID. And anyone, too, who maybe moved to Michigan but wasn't able to show their lawful presence, you know, couldn't access it. At this point, that impacts about 100,000 people in our state who are of driving age and can't access a driver's license or a state ID. And that means they can't go get groceries as easily, go to the uh, go to church, go to or a place of worship or and go take their kids to soccer practice, you know, go to the doctor, any of those things. It's really difficult, as we know, in Michigan to get around and do that, especially if you have to rely on other people for that transportation, whether it's driving or public transit, which might not be available. Um, it also has meant that for undocumented folks who are driving, there's a real risk that an interaction with police that stems from being pulled over could lead to deportation because there's a whole process that's initiated if somebody is not easily able to be identified and it can lead to escalation that can lead to deportation. Um, I'll mention too that one of the other impacts is just about um, or it's not just, but it's a large one, right, on other drivers on the road. So with road safety being a kind of an aspect of this, where a lot of folks are not able to obtain uh, health or um, not health insurance, auto insurance, <laughs> if they're not able to have a driver's license or a state ID um, and or can't register their vehicles. So that has an impact on everybody, right, on the roads if people are driving without without auto insurance. So in terms of what's next, we'll talk a little bit more about this too at the end, but there, um, with these bills that are going to be introduced coming up, the drive safe bills, we'll hopefully see a hearing on those bills and then move them, they'll be moved forward through the legislative process. In terms of what happened in previous sessions, there actually was some momentum last time around in 2021, and the bills did have a hearing scheduled. Unfortunately, that hearing was pulled about two hours beforehand, which is pretty rare, honestly. Um, and the Speaker of the House pulled those bills. And I think, you know, the coalition, the Drive Michigan Forward Coalition, which is a group of lots of different organizations pushing this forward, did a great job to still really have some momentum that day and bring people in and keep the support. And so we're hopeful that we can loop all those other people in still this time around and bring some new folks on too. Um, so I'm going to stop there and hopefully that gives a really big overview and just hand it back to Gene. Yeah, let's, uh, that, that's great, Simon, because you've covered a lot of territory and, and I'm hoping that uh, we'll have a chance to, to emphasize some of the specific points here in case they were uh, lost or not given, uh, you know, the weight that they probably should. This is such a, this touches on so many aspects. I'm going to turn next uh, to Lupita as sort of someone as a community organizer uh, and, and, and ask you, Lupita, if you don't mind, uh, to kind of bring this home, put some flesh and blood on the, on the problem and, and what your experience, uh, maybe observations are, 
uh, for people who are directly affected uh, by uh, by the policy that uh, Simon described. Would you? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know directly uh, because as an immigrant, I I know perfectly this problem because uh, like Simon was telling us about um, driving safe. So that means a lot for us because we want we need the driver license to buy to medicines to take the kids you know to school um driving on vacation uh, yeah we we really need it for the for every day because every morning when the family is going to work looking for a better life they are afraid driving because when the police pull over that means on my mind, you know, uh, probably taking the families apart because they can uh, they can be the poorer. So when we had a driver license, we have dignity. We have some identification. I had too many stories about how the families are suffering for don't having a driver license or a state identification. So I would you like to share all the work that we are doing in the Southwest of Michigan. Do you know, I have in my hands 500 support letters from the farm worker, farmer owners, for the factory owners, business owners, these letters are from the District 39. So I can understand what is the problem, why we need to fight for something that the community deserves. It's, it's really hard. And I think I'm going to share a little bit on ahead um, some story, a specific story that touch my heart, but I can do it later. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Lupita. We, yeah, we'd like to hear uh, those stories. Let me just uh, turn turn to you, Liz, and ask you to give your perspective on on the issues uh, here. We've heard, you know, this affects a hundred thousand people, but and that's that's a lot uh, within the state. Uh, but uh, but there, each individual has uh, his or her own circumstances. What can you tell us uh, about it uh, from from your perspective uh, with with the ACLU and the kind of advocacy work that uh, that you're doing? What, what would help us understand this? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, um, Jean, and thanks everybody for having me um, and Simon and Lupita tonight. Yeah, I think you know the ACLU is. Uh, member of the coalition, the Drive Michigan Forward Coalition, and the ACLU of Michigan, although we, we don't have a lot of grassroots um, advocacy work the, um, the way that We the People uh, does with Lupita and others doing amazing work kind of on the ground, um, we, we bring to the coalition more um, technical support um, around drafting legislation um, and then and also lobbying chat you know speaking with legislators and 
trying to kind of help push things through the cogs and the machine of Lansing. Um, Simon at MLPP and I, um, I think oftentimes are sort of called in for those similar types of, um, for those similar types of reasons. But um, yeah, I think just from our perspective, you know, everything that Lupita was saying, this is, um, this is a human dignity issue. You know, I think one of the things that I think about when I think about your organization, the Interfaith Network, I, I grew up Catholic and I worked for the United Methodist Church and I practiced immigration law um, through their clinic. And, um, and then I married a CRC person, Christian Reformed Church Protestant person. So I feel like I have my own ecumenical take on a lot of um, public policy issues. But I think the human dignity um, sort of factor in it is just a very strong through line, no matter who you are. I think this, this sort of take um, on the issue is really, really resonates well with um, people on both sides of the aisle. Um, and that's, that's exciting to see. Lupita said that there are a lot of business owners who are very interested in this. And yes, this is good for business too, making sure folks can get to and from work without getting picked up and detained because they are, don't have a license. So I think the way that ACLU comes to it is, is fairly practical, but I think also kind of because we are nonpartisan, really what we're trying to do is make it sure that folks understand how appealing it is sort of on all sort of lots of different facets. Sure. So I, uh, Lupita, I want to come back to you in a minute on, you know, some of the specific uh, stories that I know you, you have and how this affects people, not just in being able to drive, but other aspects of life that uh, we can talk about. Before I do that, Simon, you touched on other states. Can you tell us what's the experience been in states that have adopted this uh, and, or have uh, made it clear that uh, undocumented individuals have the ability to, to get driving privileges? Can, can you speak to that at all? Has, has there been any measurable difference? What other benefits might there be for the state? Sure. Yep. Um, so I'll talk about two things in particular. One is um, around kind of accidents and, and hit and runs. And then one about um, just generally some data from New York about people driving without a license at all. Um, and I'll also mention, I guess, uptake rates a little bit too. So that will be, I think, helpful and informative. So I'll start there, which is that many across you know, many of the states that have taken this up, the average uptake of sort of who, out of the total number of people that are interested in, in even moving through the process of getting a license or navigate that system to do it, is usually, I believe on average, about 30 to 40%. And it can vary from different states too. But that number is pretty high, honestly, when it comes to a the bill passing and people taking action on it. And that's including states that have really major cities in them where there's a public transportation system and there's really a, not necessarily a need for a driver's license to get around. So that includes like Illinois, Washington DC as another city, um, and also you know New York, there's um, been a fairly high uptake rate in New York as well. Um, here in Michigan, you know, as we know, there's not a really great public transportation system in many of these cities that are major cities in Michigan. 
And there's lots of other areas that are quite rural where there definitely are immigrant families and undocumented people and others who would benefit from this. So we at the league, even in some of our estimates, have estimated that the uptake rate would be about 50% over three years. And that, you know, we feel fairly confident in it being somewhere around there based on other states' experiences. And um, just to again, hit home that fact that we know from the folks Lupita has been talking to and others who we have heard from that this is a really important change that a lot of people would benefit from and, and take action on. Um, what that means with those uptake rates that are high is that other benefits can happen for the rest of the state. And one of those is generally around um, the uh, a decrease in folks driving who don't have a license or who are like driving illegally, basically. And New York State somewhat recently released some data um, about this. So I just wanted to share a little about it because I do think it's helpful. Um, so their law was called the Green Light Law, and it went into effect um, in 2020, but it, it passed in 2019. And before that law went into effect, there were about 57,000 unlicensed drivers a year that year in 2019 and the arrest rates declined to 30,000 drivers um when in the first year after it passed and that's a decrease of almost 50 percent which is huge um so that's a really good example i think of on the roads there being a real difference and that means too that people likely are driving also with insurance and a lot of those people didn't have insurance before is, is um, a pretty good assumption to make. Um, I'll quickly mention too that there has been some research out of California that showed that um, the rate of hit and run accidents decreased substantially and significantly um, after they passed a similar driver's license law, a driver's license for all policy. So they saw um, a substantial decrease in the number of people who were leaving the scene of an accident. And they attribute that to the fact that people had a valid ID and were able to be, um, to, to feel confident and comfortable with waiting for law enforcement and engaging with somebody around like an insurance issue. So that is also, I think, really helpful data. Thanks for, for shedding light on that particular uh, aspect of things. You know, uh, Lupita, one of the things I heard, and I've, I've been looking at this issue on and off for the last year and a half or so, uh, was that aside from the things that Simon is talking about in road safety uh, and uh, encounters with law enforcement, uh, hit and run accidents, uh, de declining and so on, that there are just some practical things that uh, people encounter when they don't have a driver's license or other state issued ID related to prescription, you know, getting over-the-counter medicines, for example, or, or dealing with uh, retail uh, establishments or returns. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Would you mind? I think you might be muted. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Now we can hear you. Okay, go oh, ahead. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, so I think for this uh, this problem with uh, the driver license, um, 
the people uh, want to the immigrants want to drive um, according to the law, but this is another problem uh, for us because um, when we want to register uh, the insurance the car, we want to buy the insurance. Um, sometimes they don't give us the service, yeah, because they asking for a driver license. And sometimes the rate is very high. And some families just can't afford. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the people is driving, is in the road. So we'll be better with a driver license. So the road will be more safe because the people can go through the, um, the training, you know, the test, driving test. And yeah, yes. so it, it's, it's a little difficult because the people have to go to work. Yeah, so yeah. the problem is, it's just that. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder, uh, I'll just throw this out to the panel. How do you answer the critics, the people who say, you know, this is just a matter of people should be following the rules. And if you follow the rules, then, you, you know, everything will be okay. And the people who can't get driver's licenses, well, they haven't followed the rules. Uh, you know, uh, that, that seems to be, you know, in, in doing my homework on this, I was looking for what is it that really uh, feeds the opposition to this or maybe inhibits movement forward? Any, any one of you would feel free to jump in. I'll jump in, but I'm sure we all have something to say to that question. Um, you know, it seems it seems like when you get down to why if people are opposed to it, it does seem to be that issue where it, people sort of conflate federal immigration law and state safe driving rules you know, laws. So I think it really does come down to that where it's, I think people are, some people who oppose this, this type of um, legislation are just, they're not really interested. It's not about a public safety issue because you know, arguably this would make our roads much safer. You know, it's not really um, uh, about financial reasons because it, studies show that this actually would be a, a, a money saver and, it really comes down to sort of this basic feeling that if somebody is here without status, then they shouldn't be allowed to sort of have the first first uh, sort of class lifestyle um, that that I get to enjoy because of where I happen to be born and the color of my skin, for example. So I think it does really come down to, unfortunately, kind of that view. And there's not really much that we can do for folks who just come down on that, except to just really reiterate that these bills are, are for, um, are specifically to make sure that people who are driving, we, first of all, law enforcement knows who they are, which law enforcement partners have said that that's something that they really want actually, is to know who people are by being able to show a valid ID and to make sure that folks are insured and um, and they stay safe. And it really has nothing to do with whether or not somebody is here lawfully. And, you know, as a as an immigration attorney, I can tell you it's it, it's hard enough explaining immigration status to a immigration judge, let alone uh, 
you know, somebody who works at the Secretary of State's office who's never seen an immigration removal file before, for example. So it, it's really just making sure that people understand that there are two different things. A license doesn't let you vote. A license doesn't let you actually stay lawfully in the United States. Those are really different things. And, and even people who have lawful status here have a lot of difficulty getting their driver's licenses, even today. I mean, uh, I'd say a, a large share of um, unaccompanied minor kids who are refugees here with lawful status, almost all of them can't get licenses because the paperwork that they show them from the federal government, they don't understand it and they and they and they won't push it through. So this is really just a matter of making sure we're safer. It's a it's a it's a better system for driving purposes. And then we can deal with the federal immigration stuff in a different conversation. Lupita or Simon, anything to add on, on answering the critics? I, I, I'll, I'll relate to you and I won't name our uh, legislator, but uh, I had a conversation with uh, uh, our former state representative, I guess that gives it away, who said, uh, <laughs> who said, I, I mean, why are we encouraging? We should not be encouraging illegal immigration. Uh, and this is, uh, it, it won't just simply do that. And, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things I hear and I know the answer and it's so exasperating to hear that kind of question. If, 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 tell me, you know, how do you address that? Yeah, yeah I would like to add something. Do you know, um, illegal immigration um, is going to happen regardless. Yeah, this is because if the immigration system is broke, but I think for me, this is an, another subject. Yeah, so different. But I would like to share, um, for probably like 15 years, I'm going to visit the farmer workers. And I can see the workers, they are illegal, illegal immigrants. And they are picking the fruit, apples, you know, asparagus. So sometimes immigration is necessary for the country. Yeah, because I can see any white people picking the fruits, picking the tomatoes and peppers. Mm -hmm. So this is a different subject, but I want to mark this because it's very important for me. Because, for example, uh, when the uh, Trump era, um, I I went to visit these fields, and the fruit was rough because nobody came to Michigan to pick up the fruit because the people don't feel safe in this state, and it's weird because uh, I live, you know, um, in the border, Indiana and Michigan, and I can read, you know, like. Welcome to Michigan, friendly state. Really? We are a friendly state? We are welcome to the people who bring the food to our tables? It's something to think about. Thanks for that. So um, I don't know, Simon, did you want to add anything in, in response to it? Otherwise, I, I, was, I, I wanted to ask, um, I, I've seen other states are considering this. Uh, Indiana, I know a few weeks ago, there was a bill that was in committee and they had a very impressive 
from what I've read in the in the papers, uh, they had a very impressive array of support on the side of the the business community. It was. Uh, uh, the trucking companies, uh, the Farm Bureau, and I'll add that the Michigan Farm Bureau supports this, uh, but uh, other other industries and businesses. Uh, Simon, can you, as as sort of the policy guy here, can you can you tell us what you're seeing in the business community? I know Lapita, you mentioned that you had letters from individual businesses, uh, but you know we had the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council. Uh, the Indiana Association of Chiefs of Police uh, and, and others. T talk to us about maybe some uh, groups that might be interested in seeing this adopted that we wouldn't think of right off as, as being uh, in favor. Sure. I think um, even Lupita raising sort of all of those business owners that have signed um, the petitions and shared, you know, letters of support and all of that is a really great example of kind of the mobilization of business interest at a grassroots level, certainly. And I think, you know, the coalition is definitely working to try to get some more active and vocal support from I would what would be considered also the the Michigan business community in the sense of the chambers of commerce I think are good examples um, that has not been necessarily secured you know public support but I think um, when you think about all of the essential workers from the last few years who also were immigrants and needed to get to their jobs day in day out that was a business that was a business case for this policy at that time too. Um, and it will, you know, there's always going to be a business element, um, even in the sense of, I think, revenue for our state. I'll just mention too, some numbers there quickly, which is that because of the, the fact that folks would be paying for the licenses, paying sales and gas tax on vehicles, um, registering their vehicles, all of that in total would be about $100 million over a course of 10 years for our state. It's a, it's not in a, in a, a huge, huge amount of state revenue, but it's a, a certainly a, a bit of an impact when over the first few years, it would be over $13 million, um, which, is, which is great. Um, so I know that's not necessarily exactly the, the business community aspect, but when it comes to the economic development side, I do think that that's a good thing to be mentioning. Um, but I'll share just in terms of, um, you know, some others. I'm glad you did mention the Farm Bureau who has been in favor of this sort of policy um, previously. Um, I think it, this might not be a surprise to the audience necessarily, but the Michigan Catholic Conference has come out in, in big support for this, which has been fantastic to see. And it, they really are a big player here in Michigan. Um, so again, not necessarily a business case, but wanted to mention it in terms of maybe some maybe surprising supporters initially, um, but from the moral case, they certainly are on board and, and agree. Um, so I think what I'll end with a little too is just, you can see from my answer that kind of hits some other topics. There's not a lot of really public business support at the moment right now um, for these bills, but we have been trying to really gain a lot of traction in that area would love your support in doing that. And I think making the case from, um, you know, hearing from the impact it would have 
for workers and, and um, people getting to and from jobs, and then also just for our broader economy can help make that case overall. So, um, and I, you know, if Liz or Lupita wanted to add anything to that I'm forgetting, please feel free. But Let me just, and, and uh, Liz, I'm, I'm gonna turn it over to you because Jeff raised an interesting point. It, you know, a lot of attention I think focuses on uh, the Hispanic community that seems to be, you know, the predominant group in our part of Michigan, but there are many other immigrant groups that this affects as well. So uh, Liz, do you wanna uh, take, maybe repeat the question Jeff raised and, uh, and then yeah. address that too? Yeah, sure, I'm glad. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for your comment. You said Ukrainian refugees become illegal in April because they'll be staying more than their one or two year time period. And this is one of the things that makes immigration law so complicated. Um, you know, some tax lawyers that I know we used to compete for which is more complicated, tax law or immigration law, because every administration changes it. And even just um, within an administration, they can go back on on their own sort of policies. So right now, um, you know, there are I, I the last stat I remember seeing is about 40% of maybe more percent of people who are here without status in the United States enter the United States lawfully. So as um, a visitor or as a student or as um, an employee, and then if the employer, you know, went out of business or something and they're just sort of sitting around, they can't do anything until somebody else applies for them. So this is, I think you're right, Gene, that a lot of people especially in Michigan, sort of just think of sort of that farm worker sort of stereotype. And certainly that is true that 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 these are folks that we are are very uh, want to make sure that they are included in this bill package. But it is absolutely true that there are spouses of um, like so-called, you know, high skill level, which I don't believe that there's such a thing as low skill and high skill, but that's kind of how they're referred to. Um, is sort of like higher level education positions, um, spouses of those visa holders are not allowed to work, therefore don't get a work permit, and therefore with Michigan law the way that it is now, can't get a driver's license. So yeah, Jeff, thank you for dreamers. So people who entered the United States when they were children and grew up here, and a lot of times only realized when they were applying for their driver's licenses for the first time, but didn't have a social security number, didn't have a valid visa, that they were undocumented. So um, in 2012, President Obama passed the um, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA program that now allows these folks to sort of sit in limbo in a program that could go away any minute, but at least gives them a possible chance to get a driver's license. But again, from from visa to visa, country to country, I mean, this could look like any of us, you know, at really anywhere, no matter what kind of your level of education is, it really does impact all immigrants. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I, I want to give people a chance to uh, put their questions uh, in the chat, or if you, you'd like to, you know, raise a question now, or we can, I'm planning to save some time at the end, I wanted to move on to sort of Okay, um, what what do we do if we're interested in the uh, in this and think and we're convinced that this is the right thing to do? Should we 
can can you give us some practical suggestions of how we might advance the policy policy change I'll just quickly um, start because I did get a question in the chat actually, and thanks to the person who sent that, just about um, you know talking to your representative and what to sort of say around the, the bill package. So um, I will kick us off with that, and then um, you know I think Liz and Lupita were both going to share maybe some more resources. So um, just to get give a little more specificity on the bills themselves for anybody who's interested in getting in touch with their legislator or lawmaker, and that's what we can talk more about. Um, the sponsors of the bills are slated to be in the Senate, Senator Chang and Senator Santana. And then in the House would be Senator, or excuse me, Representative Hood and Representative Ayash. So those are the, the four um, uh, legislators who are going to be taking um, the lead on this. But if you have a meeting or a phone call or any an email conversation with anyone, um, you know, who's your representative or other officials, you know, or, or even, you know, local stakeholders you're talking to, please feel free to share that information. And the bill should be officially introduced in the coming months, um, definitely. So uh, right now they're in the stage of um, kind of adding some protections into the bills. So that's, it's taken a, a minute to do that. But um, anyway, I, I just wanted to lay that out. And then, you know, I think, I think Liz put some links in the chat, so I'll let her mention those and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll just jump in and then, and then Lupita, I'll, I'll turn to you, but yeah, I just sort of copied and pasted a couple of links. So the first set is the Drive Michigan Forward um, website that has some good information about the bills and then also um, some good sort of talking points. If you if you are going to attend a coffee hour, say, um, of your legislator coming up or you want to send them an email or um, send a, a call them, which I encourage, I think we all encourage you to do. Um, you know, you can take a look at their Facebook and their website um, page just to sort of take a look at some of um, the the talking points that are already out there. Um, in addition, like more information about the bills themselves. I'm the type of person I would really like to learn a lot more before I call up my lawmaker, although you really don't have to, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Get let, Allow driver's licenses to be uh, for everybody to apply for driver's licenses and let the Secretary of State handle the driving piece of it. Um, and then if you're not sure who your legislator is, I put in a couple of links. One will go to the House um, main page, and there's a little box on the right side that says, you know, you can put in your address. And then the same thing with the Senate. Um, so we really do recommend that you reach out to those folks. Oftentimes they have coffee hours by Zoom, sometimes, you know, if not that, then in person in district. Those are great opportunities to, instead of having to call and get an appointment on their busy docket, drive to Lansing for a 15 minute meet and greet. These are great opportunities um, to talk with your legislator over coffee and just make sure that they know how much these issues are important to you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to uh, give, I, I think Simon put a, uh, a link to this in the chat, but there's this terrific uh, brochure uh, put forward, put out by uh, Drive Michigan Forward that has just a wealth of information in it about the uh, different questions we've been addressing tonight. There's FAQs. I mean, if you really want to hone your 
uh, knowledge of this topic before you meet with the legislator, but believe me, you don't have to. I mean, the, a lot of these people, they're not gonna, you, you wanna get a pitch line down, I think, uh, and, and let it go at that. But uh, there's really a wealth of information here uh, in this particular document. So, and if you don't get it now, send me an email after this and I, I'll be sure you do. Um, let's see, I, there've been a number of comments in the chat uh, here uh, and, and uh, interfaith action itself, if, you're, if you need to know who your legislator is, uh, there are links there. Joey Andrews, who represents the new 37th district that stretches all the way down the lakeshore from Saugatuck down to New Buffalo and is 75 miles long and like two inches deep, uh, has indicated his, uh, uh, his support. I don't want to speak for, for him, but I, but I know he's open to it. Um, I've, I've spoken to uh, Eric Nesbitt. I'm not so sure about him. Um, excuse me, I have a visitor here. Uh, and uh, uh, Jonathan Lindsay uh, is our other state senator in the area. Uh, Brad Packett, who has the district in the southern part of the state of uh, the Berrien County area, I think is open to this. Uh, and and with, if you're in his district, I encourage you to speak to him or, or write him a letter or call. So, um, other, other questions, does uh, Mariana, I saw you had your hand up and then you put something in the chat. Did you wanna to speak to this? Can I mute yourself if you'd like? Maybe not. Okay, I can go. So okay, I go would ahead, you like to, yeah, thank you. Uh, okay. I would you like to add some team, uh, Liz and Simon say everything. So thank you for that. But I want to talk about um, that we need to, to educate ourselves about what is dry safe bill. Because I was in a meeting uh, in the library here in Ayos a few years ago uh, with, the sheriff, uh, with the sheriff and the Bering County. And he mentioned um, something about his worry about uh, the people is going to vote. So driver license is not to vote. And another thing he mentioned, he was, uh, he have some concerns about immigrants in go is going, they are going to be in the core making decision. No, immigrant people don't want to be involved in any kind of this, you know, core in any, like that. So please educate ourselves and the legislators because they sometimes are thinking in the wrong way. Please help us with that. Thank you. Thanks, Lupita. And if I could add to what Lupita said, just because it is so true that there are a lot of myths out there about what this would do. And honestly, I mean, myths, I feel like is, is too light a word. It's just misinformation. And it's really harmful about what the bills would do that in I think it, it should be in the link that I had shared with the resources. It'll go to a page on our Drive Michigan Forward website that has um, an FAQs page and then a longer packet that um, Eugene showed. And 
that has a lot, it answers a lot of similar questions of like, can people use this to vote? And it very clearly says no, and sort of some ways to address that. Can people um, just, even a lot of the other things that Lupita sort of just mentioned now and other, other questions that we've gotten that we want to be able to tell people the right answers to. Um, and, and yeah, so I just wanted to lift that up as a way to, to, to get that information since as Lupita said, it's so important to be able to, to know it ourselves so that we then can share it when asked. Um, so that it's great to have you all interested in that too. Yes, I understand it, uh, Simon, the, the license itself would be distinctively marked so that it could not be mistaken for, uh, you know, like a real ID, for example, or an enhanced uh, license. Yeah, so what the license, the, the way the bills, what the bills have now in them is that it would be like a standard license, yeah. And so there's sort of two different options now for somebody when they go to get a driver's license. You can either, if you are a US citizen, you can get a uh, real ID, which is what you can use to travel like internationally even, uh, maybe to Mexico and Canada. And then, uh, and at least you can, um, it, it, you can use it for federal purposes too, is kind of the phrase. So for like flying and things like that. And this would be a standard license, which just would not have that additional enhanced capabilities. Um, and it wouldn't, it doesn't have like a star on it basically, but otherwise it would actually look like any other license. And I, I do want to mention that and the, you know, Lupita and Liz can definitely add here, but that's a real benefit in the bills right now. And that's because we want, we would like for Michigan's law to basically have anyone who has that standard ID mixed in with everyone else who does, because there's going to be a lot of U.S. citizens who don't actually want to get a real ID for like their just own personal reasons. And that means then if somebody is stopped by law enforcement or has an encounter that it's not immediately identifiable that that person is undocumented, most likely, or for some reason has its sort of distinct ID. So that's definitely where the bills are at now. Um, there are other states that have passed bills where it is more distinct, um, but we're hoping, you know, and wanting to keep the bills in the language where it is now so that it's kind of just one big pool of people who don't have a real ID and people who do. Um, so thank, thank, that's a good question. So we've just got a couple minutes left here and um, uh, we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, Liz, I'm going to throw it over to you because you put in the in the chat elevator pitch. So, what's your elevator pitch? I'll ask each oh, of boy. you to just take a take a minute or two to uh, say, you know, if you had to, and, and this was my question really, if you yeah. had to convince somebody, you know, either a skeptic or somebody who knew nothing about this, what would be the, you know, the most important or two or three most important things that you would that you think would be persuasive. Uh, yeah. You know, some people you're never going to convince, right? But I think that's right. But yeah. take, take somebody who's who's open-minded and yeah. you want to, you know, wants to think about this. Well, and I will say, Gene, that a lot of, like, as we speak with, it is a great question. Um, as we go around Lansing and speak with representatives and senators, many of whom are brand new, they're freshmen in this new um, class of legislators. And 
some of them have never heard of these bills before. Many of them have and are very excited about it, which is really encouraging, but some do not know anything about it. So this is, you can kind of get, uh, I'll sort of try to do that, but shorter. Um, so really the drive safe bills are um, intended to put the, our law back the way it was pre-2008 when the with, when the laws allowed everybody to apply for driver's licenses. And, um, and what this would do is just bring it back in line with that policy that we had before. So in the time that we've had the, the law in place that changed it and made it difficult and possible for certain people to apply, we haven't seen it, we haven't seen a drastic decrease in immigration or a drastic decrease in the amount of fraud those numbers stay the same because they really have nothing to do with driver's licenses. So what what this what we're trying to do right now is bring it back in line with um, with the way that it should be, which is just to focus on making sure our roads are safe and our drivers are safe. I got to tell you, Liz, our buildings here are not that tall, so the elevator would have you 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 would have lost your audience uh, there pretty well, soon. Well, so. Gene, as you know, lawyers, <laughs> we I can't I can't be brief ever. <laughs> Okay, who, who's who's up next? Maybe uh, uh, Lupita, I, I'll put you on the spot. What's your, your your elevator pitch? Your your two minutes or one minute that you have to convince somebody? Um, well, for me, it would be uh, we deserve dignity, human dignity. Yeah, because uh, we deserve the identification. This is very important for us. In another way, I would you like to talk about economic development. Yeah, because we are talking what is the benefit for the, um, you know, the immigrant people. But I would you like to mention about the, according to the Michigan League for Public Policy, the state could also expect an increase of 13.5 million in revenue. So this is a lot of money. And you know, it's important for the state of Michigan. So uh, Simon, I, I gotta throw in my, my pitch before you get there. And Vicki already stole my thunder because it was gonna be, don't let Indiana beat us to this. <laughs> I like that. Well, I will say I like I like that with uh, state competition can be a really good way to persuade people to like Michigan's falling behind. It can be good. But I will. OK, my my pitch is I think this is really a case of more. I think that it's a case of more people registering their vehicles, more people being insured, more people being tested on the roads, more freedom for everyone in Michigan to get safely where they need to go and more money. So it's all a case of more to do this policy change. So that's my pitch. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And anybody else? Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in the chat right now and uh, I encourage you to take a, a look at it. Uh, uh, thank you. Victor, I, you, you've been uh, here with us. Uh, uh, would you like to add anything? You, you've, you're responsible for putting, for helping me put this together and for getting us involved. I just want to make sure that you have the best people around. That's all. I and, could. 
And another thing is, uh, I, I think that I'm here to learn just like anybody else, you know. I, I put it in my chat about my my sort of elevator pitch. Okay. Thank you. And thank you. thanks to everyone for participating tonight. Uh, if you, again, this has been, been recorded. Uh, thanks to our panelists for their contributions. Everybody, uh, what a great group uh, and, and such interesting perspectives. Uh, so keep in touch, watch this uh, at Interfaith Action. We'll be try, trying to push things out so you're informed when the bills are introduced. Uh, and uh, please, please uh, let us know if you have questions and uh, comments, uh, thoughts, or and we love to hear about successes. Uh, you know, if you've if you've spoken to a, a leader uh, about this and and you feel like you've got a positive reception, please let us know. We we love to hear those sorts of things. So thank you all.